what we do we view as very important because they are people just the same as all of us are and they're they're bringing something that is harder and harder as you grow up it's harder to bring that perspective because you learn your way out of it and you learn you tell yourself reasons not to My name is Rob Van Nood, and you're listening to the second season of Elevate, a podcast about big ideas, little projects, and everything in between. Educators and students share their short, elevator pitch-sized stories to raise your awareness of everything that is going on here at Catlin Gable School. This week on Elevate, I have the pleasure of talking with two teachers who are all about collaboration. Having worked as Catlin Gable's lead preschool team for six years, Rebecca Wirth and Brennan Clark have a lot to teach all of us. Brendan, Rebecca, thanks for joining me today. I'm doing something a little different. Normally the collaborative conversations I've had in the past have really focused around a project. Um, but today I just wanted to invite you two together here to talk about your experience because like, unlike any other teachers really throughout the school, the two of you are the, probably the most collaborative on a daily basis and I think it would be really exciting to, maybe not exciting, but at least interesting to hear how you guys work together and how things work uh, in the preschool. And on a second note, I really am interested in, in having all of us at Cal and Gable really think about what we can learn from what's happening in the preschool and are, are there things that the rest of us can think about just as a learning experience what the preschoolers are doing and all the hard work they're doing and are there takeaways that we could think about across the divisions regarding that. So. Um, if you guys want to, maybe just as an introduction, because I don't know if everybody knows you, just say who you are and maybe a little how you got to Catlin and um, how you got into working in preschool. And then on a larger question, uh, we'll kind of dive into you working together and any projects that you might really want to highlight. Uh, yeah, I'll start. I'm Brendan, and um, I actually got into preschool. My mom was a preschool teacher and growing up that was what I did on my days off or sick days from going to school myself. And I became a teacher in a four or five grade level classroom and I quickly got moved down to a K-1 and then to a preschool K mix and the, the earlier ages that I went to the more exciting it was for me. The way I got to Catlin was after grad school, I ended up working here in a summer program and started as a substitute PE teacher when Sheila was not able to be here. That turned into a whole year. It was supposed to be a few weeks and got to a whole year. And during that process, the preschool position came open and I applied and thankfully got it. And that's when Rebecca and I started working together. And I came to Catlin 12 years ago um, as a TA in the preschool. I'd always been interested in preschool. When I was in fifth grade, I used to volunteer in my sister's classroom, and that's when I decided I should be a preschool teacher. 
And so Brendan and I had worked together that year. He was doing PE, and then he applied. Um, and I think this is our sixth year together in the classroom since then. So how do you see that working, or how do you, how do you make that work? Um, are you together all the time? Are you splitting up responsibilities? How are you, in, you know, visioning the, the year together? I would say it's, it's definitely a mix of all of that. Being in a classroom with 24 and 5-year-olds, there is a constant need for a grown-up to be doing something. So we have to be able to respond to children's needs. We have to be able to take care of all the details that come along with four and five-year-olds living in a space. So inevitably there's some division of responsibility, but also the flexibility of filling in whatever is needing to be done. So if I'm doing something, Rebecca has to do the other thing and vice versa. So throughout the course of a year and throughout the course of six years being together, we found kind of general pockets that we play to our strengths in certain areas and that helps the year flow. And we both know that we both have all the responsibilities that a classroom teacher would have on their own. So we have to keep going and doing our independent thing and being together at the same time. It's true that there's a division of labor because we both have sort of our strengths that we can work more with those. and. Luckily, our strengths aren't all the same. Um, so we share responsibilities, but also I think one thing that is probably different than other classrooms is when either of us is talking to a parent or a colleague even, we're kind of talking for both of us. So we have to agree in advance or fill, in, fill each other in whenever something's going on because just like parents have to be on the same page when they're telling their kids, you know, bedtime is at eight or whatever, we have to be on the same page both with the honeybees but also with the parents. Um, so we're giving really clear messaging about our expectations and the goals of the program and all of that stuff. That, that in particular started before I was officially a preschool teacher. <clears throat> Rebecca and I met several times to just discuss our bigger philosophies as teachers and to see where those lined up and where they didn't line up. And it, part of the job of what Rebecca's describing is to find where they don't line up and then make an agreement that we both feel good about. So there is, there's a lot of compromise, but it really is like a necessary part of the job and it really helps as an educator to like question what I value is important and then to hear somebody else's perspective and to come to a different perspective it, it just feels like there's an evolution there that in the end is going to benefit the kids and the families so for example we our second year together we got a shared email account which we both respond to but the point is that the families are getting the same message but they don't know if it's from Rebecca or from Brendan because we have to be this singular entity in a way, and we want everyone to know that that's how the classroom works. And it also goes as deeply as if a kid asks a question, we 95% of the time are gonna have the same answer. And it's, it's a really helpful tool for a four and five year old to know that the consistency is gonna be there. And so we, we have worked on that. And if we have a different answer, we solve it 
very, very quickly, and that has been a skill that we've worked on a lot too. And but sometimes we do disagree even in front of the honeybees, and we like talk about that explicitly. They know that we're friends, but they know friends don't always agree. And so we say, oh, right now, you know, Brendan thinks this and I think this, but we'll figure it out. Because um, that's just part of being friends. You have to come to consensus even if there's not an original agreement. And I think when Brendan and I started working together, we were both really careful, like, write an email, let the other person read it, write a blog, let the other person read it. But over time, we trust each other and know the general messaging, we figured all that out. So at this point, one of us could send an email from the Honeybees account and sign both names, and that's not an issue or anything weird to do. So it's kind of like originally you had to spend a lot of time talking with each other, but now it's kind of going from the gut a little bit. Yeah, because we didn't want to upset each other at the start. We were trying to, I mean, we talked when we first were both going to do this job, we talked about how this job is really working closely together and so we're gonna have to figure these things out but I think we both wanted to do that you know not hurting anyone's feelings we, you know there's things that Brendan's better at and things that I'm better at so we definitely help each other but we also give each other room like I trust him to do any of the things that I would do and I think the same for him Maybe not with his camera, but... <laughs> <laughs> Do you end up finding time mostly during the school day to, to connect, or are you finding you need to, like, let's, let's meet up this weekend, have a coffee, and, and sit down and talk, or you just kind of use the time allotted at school? It's more just like constant communication. So we do spend planning times talking to each other, but, but I mean, we're mostly in the room together. So even in a moment, we can say, oh, we need to do this, or remind each other. Like this morning at morning meeting, we remembered we need to do a map and tell people where they're sitting, because that will help everyone. So they, there's little moments like that where we just throw it out to each other, because we have the ease of being in the same space. Um, and you know, we'll text sometimes, remind me to do this tomorrow, or we need to write back to that email. So it's just pretty much constant but low-level communication. Like, we're not really sitting down at this point for huge discussions, except if there's something specific we need to figure out. It didn't, it didn't even start that way with the actual planning, planning time to figure out how to collaborate. So I would say in the beginning we talked more, but it, it is just a constant line of communication. And with early childhood, that's what it takes is there's so many decisions that happen every second that we can't talk about all of them, but we have to filter through, figure out what the important lines are, figure out who needs what and communicate all of that. So throughout the day, that's all we're really doing is talking, talking through scenarios, bringing something up, remembering something. And it takes, it, it takes that level of communication of hey, I'm going to go to the bathroom, it, even though that's not something that you would maybe normally say to a colleague in, <laughs> in the preschool. We have to know where each other physically are, where we mentally are, and we have to be able to do that without trying. So it's taken, it's taken just a lot to get to where we are, but now it seems much more automatic because we put in that time. That seems really exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just mentally always having to check in. Um, 
do you, do you find like is it become more like you have to build up the endurance and you just kind of I, I, for for me this is probably why we both like this job is because this is a more natural skill I I enjoy the conversation and I enjoy talking about what we're doing and it seems like a it seems like it's not something I have to try to do. I think working with this age kids is just partly is part of the job is being exhausted at the end of the day because mm -hmm. there's so much going on. So that that part seems natural, not because of the the partnership. It's a rare day when Brendan exhausts me, but the honeybees can be tiring. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think it takes a lot of work to talk to each other because I, I like talking to him and it's nice to have someone to talk to about all these little details that frankly not everyone would be interested in or even would notice even if they were a teacher in the room. So it's nice to work with someone who, like the tiny things matter to both of us. We're both pretty observant of those things and like sharing them with each other. So to me it's always like a joy to have someone to talk to about all the stuff that happens and that we're on you know equal footing and I don't have to think like is this confidential because anything I can know Brendan can know too so we're really partners in like a true sense in that way which is different than in some of the rooms if there's a teaching assistant or an intern I think that can be a little bit different sometimes is they're not always part of every single thing that's happening with the families. Right. Yeah. And this is something that we rely on too for, it's kind of one of our forms of documentation is having a running narrative about each of the students. And through that narrative, we're able to set goals. We're able to maintain a level of knowledge about all the kids and where they're at and where they need to go. So when it comes time to sit down and write a report, our brains are filled with this rich conversation that we have every day and it's more about putting that on paper and trying to capture all those details but that is like a strength of both of ours that happens to like work really nicely together so that feels like a lot less work than having to maybe write everything down because that's not my strength but if I was working with someone who they needed everything in written form that would just be a much different way of going about it. So the two of you obviously work closely together, and you have uh, Jennifer that you work with. Mm -hmm. You have um, Leandra. Leandra and Rhonda mm -hmm. and Celia so and have, Lisa and Rhoda. And yeah, the oh, that's right. Yeah. You have all those people that, and Stephen comes and in. And Stephen and Christy yeah, both so you, come in. Yep. Do you feel like their um, the relationships with them are even you know? maybe not as equally collaborative, but um, do you find the partnerships that you have to develop with those teachers works in somewhat the same way? Or how, how does it work with the, the people, the specialists that come in and work with, with you? For me, it's different. A lot of it is we just don't have the time to download the amount of information that Brendan and I share. So I don't have as much information about what's the, what's happening in their classrooms and they probably don't get as much information as we have about the honeybees not because we're not wanting to share it just there's a limited amount of time and also time in the day that we see each other so it's a different partnership but 
I mean, with all of those people, it's collaborative in the sense, you know, the honeybees are different in different spaces, and so it's really nice to hear from someone, well, this is what this person is like in library, or what this is what this person is like in woodshop, because neither of us is there to see it. And one person who's really helpful in that way is also the Beehive TA, Riley, because she goes with them to some of those places, so she can kind of share with us that information, too. Mm -hmm. um, so I would think probably of anyone, the most collaborative relationship we have besides each other is probably Riley because she's in the classroom every day for rest. She's with us many times throughout the day, so it's that time and space of seeing each other and be able, being able to share information that helps build the collaboration. Because when you're trying to find the time to even talk, it's a lot different. When you meet, you have to sort of focus on a thing. And since it's so constant, we can focus on everything, so it's different. And you're spending a lot of time talking, obviously. Are there, and you're talking about doing documentation, are there specific tools beyond that that you're using that you feel like are other people should know about? Like, this, this is really amazing as a way to communicate efficiently between large groups of people. I would say <clears throat> there's nothing special that we're relying on. There's there's not like a, an app or a device that is really helpful. I think the, the biggest tool that we rely on is just people because if there's something that if there's something that Jennifer needs to know we have to pass that message through a person so there's a lot of trust that we have to have in each other that if we don't directly tell somebody that Jennifer needs to know this detail that we we know that she'll either figure it out herself or that someone else will say it because it's that level of importance so the the biggest tool is just we all have to have that amount of open communication and everybody in the beehive that's kind of a it's kind of an unsaid piece that when there's something that you need to know it, we can't really send it through email because we're not on our computers consistently enough. So when there's during the work day, yeah, during the work day. But when there's something that's important, it has to get transferred. Yeah. So I'd like to shift gears a little bit. Um, one of the things that I've really appreciated is I've been able to come in really for the first time this year into the uh, the preschool and and consistently come in, um, and that's been really wonderful. To, to just be on the floor and work with, with small groups of kids. So that has been really amazing. And just recently, my high school class did their time-based art uh, exhibit in Cabell, and I had the opportunity to watch Leandra bring in a group of seven or eight kids from the preschool. And even today, you know, a week later, I'm still filled with really wonder and joy about their energy in there. One of the things I've been thinking about is how much those students and watching those students engage in the world with so much joy and really unbridled, no filter. They're just touching everything and everything was really new and exciting for them. And it's making me really wonder how we can, you know, is it possible to take some of those things that those kids can teach us. I'm just I'm wondering if we can look into that a little bit. If you if you have thoughts about the power of preschoolers and their their lives that really could speak to high school students or high school teachers or middle you know just I think sometimes the, the preschools maybe 
in a little corner of the school and maybe doesn't give, get as much uh, thought about the importance of that work. Mm -hmm. I mean, <clears throat> I think this is a topic we could talk for hours about because what we do we view as very important because they are people just the same as all of us are and they're they're bringing something that is harder and harder as you grow up it's harder to bring that perspective because you learn your way out of it and you learn you tell yourself reasons not to but when you read a picture book to a group of fifth graders you can still see that perspective lives in in their brains and you can you can watch a high schooler do something where you see the little kid that is still there so one of the one of the places that I see this the most is how how hard adults try to do like pieces like mindfulness and how hard they try to get out of their own way it, to me they're trying really hard just to be that preschool self and to see the world the way they're actually seeing it and not try to put it through all the filters that they have brought into their lives. I think people think little kids don't know as much and I don't think it's about being smart, whatever that word means. It's about context a lot of the time. They just don't really have the context that people who've been around for longer have. So one of the things we do constantly every day is we're very explicit about things that when you're older people don't talk about as clearly they just kind of take for granted and it's one way that I really enjoy sort of deconstructing the world with them because not everyone is interested in this kind of conversation but for them it's how they're learning these skills so talking about you know like if you grab a toy from someone they won't like that, but if you ask if you can have a turn, that's probably going to work. That's really interesting stuff to me to get into that, and for them, it's the tools that they need. So, I mean, we talk explicitly about everything, and I think it's something that sometimes grown-ups don't want to name the thing because maybe, um, maybe it's easier just to sort of let the kid make an excuse, like I didn't know that or something, but both of us are pretty clear on the reality and will say to them, you know, um, that's not really what happened, this is what really happened because we were watching, or when you said this, what you really wanted was this. And it's something that the honeybees actually like, that we like see them and know them and know what they're doing and kind of call them on it and name it for them because sometimes they <clears throat> might not have the name for it, but then you can explain when you asked to go to the bathroom, but what you really wanted to do was check out what was happening in studio, you know, <laughs> you can just break these things down in right. ways. But that's, in terms of the way that they see the world and the way that they play with things, you know, they, they just don't know not to. So there are several times a day when I say to myself, I would never have thought of putting that thing connected to that thing. I would never have thought to to move that in that way. And it's really remarkable that for someone like myself who has as much context as I do in the world to watch someone that doesn't have it and what that enables them to do. 
Um, Brendan said something about kids being passed over, and I think another thing that happens to little kids is people see that they're cute and don't look beyond that. And of course they are cute, but there's also a lot more than just that going on for each one of them. And so one of the things we try to do in the classroom is name the places where they have room to grow and then watch and see even when they make little changes in those areas we're really quick to compliment them and congratulate them and keep pushing for more um, because we want them to have that own sense their own sense of independence and confidence and competence so that in the end they'll know to do the right thing not because someone else is around but because they've internalized that and can do it for themselves. And what what I hear Rebecca saying is something that I think that's a universal need. I think every person needs to feel like people see them for what they can do and that people can support them with what they're working on doing. And for any kid or any person through high school all the way through to adults, I think people crave that type of attention that is both building you up and supporting you simultaneously. And that's just something that is so much more important with a little kid as they're trying to figure out how to navigate this world that is not designed for them, how to react to things that they've never seen before. They need to know that the people around them are there as a guide or there as support or there for whatever they need and that's when we see the most growth is when they feel like they can and they feel like whatever they might need is there for them. As a last question, um, if you ha had the ability to instantaneously maybe add something or change something about how the preschoolers are seen or how they are in the school um, just to support what you're talking about, you know, that being seen, um, but also not just for their sake, but for all of our sakes. Um, what do you think the school could be do, could do or should be doing to make those preschoolers seen for all of us? I would say that, you know, during during moments when the whole school is together, like during an all-school assembly, the way that you can connect a preschooler to information is to keep it really simple. And that's a message that everyone can hear. So when when people are talking about their their project, it really matters how they're talking about it and how it's being presented. And as adults, I think we just tend to try and fancy things up and use extra words, but that really makes the message disappear for a younger person. Whereas I think as adults, we can all hear the message that a younger person would hear, but by overcomplicating it, I think it naturally kind of weaves them out of the conversation. They love <clears throat> visuals too. So at those all-school meetings, if there's something to look at while the person's talking, you know, talking about the thing that they're holding, that makes it much easier for the honeybees to connect with the information. I think what I would want is for them to just be seen a little more in school. You know, we have a circus every May, and not everyone's invited because the mini gym is small and it's really crowded already with their audience, but 
we have a parade down to the mini gym and having big kids or some teachers. I mean, really, last year there was a handful and it like made the honeybees day. So just a few people coming out and cheering for them because they're kind of used to going about their lives here on campus and knowing that there's a lot of other stuff happening here that is not really about them, but the circus is really all them. They've made it and they are the circus. So it's a really nice moment to celebrate them. Um, are, there, are there opportunities or would you be open to teachers or students coming in and just hanging out or observing or doing like what I do. I come in once a week and do an hour uh, of work with kids. We love having you come in and do the work with the kids and we want to share them and also sort of part of our job is to protect their time in some ways. Um, it's one thing we've been really mindful of with like how much time parents come into the classroom because part of what they're all working on is just being in this group together at school and if the group is always including especially grown-ups, it can just change the whole dynamic. But if people have ideas about ways to spend time in the classroom or ways to collaborate with classes, I mean, we really like when there's an opportunity. A few years ago, Jordan's class wrote fairy tales, and then we went and met them in the Fir Grove one like spring afternoon, and all the fifth graders read, this is when he taught fifth grade, all the fifth graders read their fairy tales to like one or two honeybees. And it was a really nice thing for everybody. So moments like that are great when like a class can share. Or just recently this year, we went to Peter's music class because they're getting ready for the Lunar New Year celebration and the dragon dance. And we got to see the costume and try some of the instruments. And it was the fifth graders helping the honeybees do that. They love that. They love to be with the big kids, but also to get to do some of the things, not just be like an audience, but get to participate a little. I think that the same as like what would what would we want the school to do differently I think it's it's just all keeping it really small one one 30 second meaningful interaction from a high schooler walking by and just giving a high five and saying good job that could change the trajectory of their day and I think it's really important for all of us to remember that it's really that small it, this, the way that they make friends with each other is, hey, you want to be friends? Cool. And then they're friends for the rest of the year. Mm. And if an adult can just say as they walk in the room, that's a really cool structure. I like the detail. So some one specific compliment, it can really boost their confidence to a level that is not the same as if I were to compliment either of you. It would be like something that you've heard before, but as you're building your identity, if you get recognized for something that is about you, that can really make a big difference. So I think just remembering that. They also really like being asked questions about what they're doing. You know, not like those kid questions, what are you going to be when you grow up, but tell me about this building, who's going to live in it, are they friendly, those kinds of things, because it's all in their imagination and they a lot of times want to share it. But a lot of times their experience is also maybe no one really wants to hear this, so they just kind of do the thing. If you check in, you get to be part of it. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's really wonderful to hear your insights and all the work that you're doing. And uh, my hope is that this interview will bring some more 
you know, vision to, uh, to, to your little neck of the woods over there in the beehive. Well, thanks, Rob. Yeah, thank you. And, and if people are interested, email us at honeybees.catlin.edu. All right. Thanks. Is that right? <laughs> Honeybees at Catlin. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got it right. <laughs> thanks for listening to this episode of Elevate. If you have questions, ideas, or want to share your story, please send us an email, elevate at catlin.edu.